There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with Riskwell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Freedom Jumpers? It's time for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. And joining me in this episode is none other than the flood insurance guru himself, Mr. Chris Green. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy travel schedule to be with us. Thanks for having me, James. Man, this... uh, I'm really looking forward to this because, my friend, you are one of a kind. Uh, You have a different energy, a a different vibe about you than just about anybody else I have ever met. Uh, Let let me just tell my Chris Green story uh, real quick. I've known Chris for, gosh, about two and a half years, almost the whole time I've been an independent agent. I met him very early on in IAOA. Uh, Chris is a very friendly connector, openly connecting with just about anybody. He's, He's one of the most... Uh, genuinely friendly people I've ever met. And uh, I never had the privilege of being face-to-face with him uh, until Brainshare back in September in San Antonio. And this guy goes toe-to-toe with everybody in the room. Marcus Sheridan, he's on Marcus's team. He's done a thousand videos in a thousand days, which is just an absurd, ridiculous accomplishment. I've never come anything remotely close to that. But then him and Cass were toe-to-toe. Like Chris Green is on par with anyone you've ever met when it comes to content, when it comes to building out a niche and dominating that niche. I'm going to let Chris tell you his version of that story, and then we're just going to dive right in to flood insurance. We're going to nerd out on some stuff that some people may not care anything about. But if you want to know about how to successfully build out a niche and and specialize in one particular thing in your office... I don't know if there's anyone better suited to talk about that than Chris Green, myself included, I promise you. So, Chris, why don't you, uh, for those of our audience that have no idea who you are, I would love for you to introduce yourself and kind of tell everybody your your background and how you became the flood insurance guru. So, my name is Chris Green, president and owner of the flood insurance guru. Uh, I've been in flood only now for about three and a half years, uh, but my first interaction with water was at the age of nine uh, when my dad had to be rescued from a flooded vehicle. Uh, I couldn't go to school for about two weeks because the only bridge that went through downtown was actually washed out by the uh, great flood of 1990 in Augusta, Georgia. And so that was my first interaction with water. But 
uh, one of the reasons why I was actually going to that school is I was actually expelled from uh, public school in second grade uh, because whenever else was going to recess, I was having to go to study hall because uh, I had a severe learning disability. And so I didn't do a lot of the things the other kids did. And I got a lot frustrated with it. And the school I was at at the time, you know, felt like I should be inside this box. They didn't know I had left the school. My parents didn't know I had left the school because we lived behind the school. My parents come home one day and I've been sitting at home for four and a half hours and the school didn't even know I was missing. So that's wow. actually how I had one of my first interactions with water. But I grew up with a severe learning disability. I was not supposed to go to college. Um, you know, college wasn't even in the cards for me, but I had two educators. One was my mom. One was another teacher by the name of Kathy Burbage, who I still talk to and people see me kind of promote her on social media a lot, uh, because she was really my one voice of hope. Well, I got ready to go to college. I actually got into Jacksonville state, but I failed college English five times because I was pulled out of, uh, English in the seventh grade. Didn't take it again until college because of my learning disability. You know, that's kind of how they dealt with it 20, 25 years ago. And so when I ended up graduating with my undergrad, I went back, got my master's in emergency management, ended up graduating top of my class uh, with my master's in emergency management. It was supposed to really be like hostage negotiation, biosecurity. But the day I went to start my master's, Hurricane Katrina hit. So I ended up studying Hurricane Katrina and every flood from New Orleans to Des Moines, Iowa for two and a half years. So I ended up graduating in 07, was still working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car at the time, took a job with uh, Liberty Mutual in 09, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to stay here long enough to get on the National Catastrophe Team. Well, it came back to my learning disability. I wanted to do something to help schools and help those educators who helped me. So I created a Partners in Education program that actually took off about 12 states, and that's actually where I generated all of my business when I was at Liberty. But in 2012, I went to buy a house in a flood zone. Uh, the insurance company I was dealing with didn't know what I was doing. didn't really know how to go through the process at the time. Uh, the realtor didn't know. The mortgage company didn't know. And it was just a bad experience for me. Well, I showed the insurance company that was handling the flood, and I showed the realtor, the lender, about built to compliance. So I took a $3,000 rate to a $300 rate, and I was able to close. But what mm. I did is I discovered a major gap in education there. Well, in 2015, I decided to start an independent agency, just, you know, auto home life, but I wanted to start a conversation on flood. So I started floodinsuranceguru.com kind of as a joke. Uh, people started learning what my background was in and, you know, they started calling me the flood guru kind of as a joke. And before I knew it, I got to 2018 and, you know, Nicholas Ayers or Ryan Hanley had challenged me on video. So I said, I'm going to do 30 days of video. I'm going to see how it changes our business. And on the auto and the home side, it had a big impact. Well, in 2019, I said, I'm going to do one video a day and I'm going to travel the country doing it. So I spent all of 2019 doing one different video, really in a different location across the country, mm. educating people in flood, interviewing flood victims. You know, why didn't people have flood insurance or why did somebody's property flood? How can we stop that from happening again? And so I got to the end of the year and I kept getting questions and messenger and all these things. So I started blogging. I started podcasting. I uh, got the 500 videos. I was still getting questions. So I said, we're going to just keep it going. And, you know, recently I finished a thousand videos in a thousand days. Uh, I'm still blogging every day, still podcasting every day. I'm still doing my videos every day. Uh, right now for next week, I'm actually in the process of actually teaching insurance agents how to build a provisional rate with the National Flood Insurance Program uh, for one of our videos, which kind of brings us to today. That that's really all we do is flood insurance flood education and flood consulting.
Man, you just packed <laughs> such an incredible amount of information into it, what three or four minutes. That that is a phenomenal man. Hearing your background, I, I didn't even know about the Liberty Mutual part of the story, um, but the rest of it is so compelling. Uh, I don't know how to get around to it just coming out naturally. So for our listeners, let me just say, Riskwell does not do flood insurance. Uh, Riskwell has the flood insurance guru as our partner, and we refer to them as our in-house colleague that handles all of our flood insurance requests from real estate investors, personal flood, commercial flood, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think flood insurance is a gotcha area. Uh, it is a, a, an area of the insurance industry that is higher than average likelihood of landing you with an E&O claim because it wasn't written correctly. It wasn't communicated correctly. And Chris, you can definitely speak to this, but I don't know if there is a segment of our industry that changes more rapidly where the regulatory, the legal environment the way that the product works, how it's rated, the way that the coverage uh, moves, it, it's dynamic. I don't know if there is a segment of our industry that is more volatile and quickly changing than flood insurance. And I, I see your comments all the time and your, your content on, hey, this changed. Hey, that changed. As an agency principal, that is terrifying because so many of us are moving so quickly. We're not always the best at keeping track of all the things that change in the various lines of business or the various carriers that we work with. What's your take on that? Uh, what do you want to get our listeners to be aware of from a, you know, a movement standpoint within flood insurance? Well, it was actually the main reason why we moved out of auto home and everything else. We couldn't keep up with all the changes and keep offering all these other products. We couldn't keep you know, moving in 30 different directions because we couldn't keep up with all the changes. And the problem is there wasn't really a lot of people out there other than maybe FEMA that was putting out information on all these changes. Uh, and people were like, well, I can't trust FEMA. I can't trust the government. Well, what if a third party is just constantly putting out these updates? And that's one of the reasons why we moved out of that is, you know, I spend two or three days a week just studying the NFIP manual, studying the forms for private carriers. You know, who's excluding what? You know, how do I read this form correctly? Are all private flood insurance companies created the same? Uh, I just edited a video for Friday called, Can We Trust Private Flood Insurance in Flood-Prone Areas? Talking about all these moving parts. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of do what I do, but also I'm also open about my learning disability and how education is my passion. And I tell people we are an education and a marketing company that owns an insurance agency. Now, you have said that many times, and I, I see that in practice. I see the way that you run, uh, run your shop there. Uh, let me just double click for a second and, and take a couple of minutes to discuss what I think is a very important subject that does not get a lot of airtime uh, on our podcast. In Cassidy Arbelli's episode, we talked about mental health. We talked about anxiety and depression as an agency principal, as a business owner, and just the ways that some people uh, overcome some challenges. You've had a very serious challenge in your past that you successfully overcame. Uh, we haven't had anyone on, on the podcast to this point talk about uh, experiencing a, a, a clinically diagnosed learning disability and overcoming it, and especially overcoming it to the degree that you have to get a, a master's degree in emergency management. And to have the credentials and the credibility that you certainly have in our industry. I'd love to hear you talk about that for a little bit. How did you 
mentally, how did you overcome the negative self-talk and the, the social pressures, the, the unkind words that I'm sure other people uh, sent your way? How did you overcome that on the front end and then turn that into part of your success story as someone who's lived with a learning disability for a long time now? Well, I'll tell you this. I ate lunch every day by myself from the fourth grade to the ninth grade because I'm a learning disability. I, people just kept, put me on an island, wouldn't even associate with me. You know, I was kicked down on the ground because I had to go into different classes than other people. Other people didn't think it was fair. And I tell people a lot of it actually helped build my strength. But what happened is I was on Ridland for 15 years. Well, I got my junior year of college and I spent the summer before my freshman year of high school studying learning styles. And it took me till my junior year to figure that out. But I learned how to pull myself off medication and actually learn my learning style and thrive in that learning style. I had a conversation last weekend with a lady at Innovation for about 90 minutes about her 18-year-old son who was struggling with this. And, I, and she's like, I just don't know what to do. I said, one day he's going to find his passion and he's going to be so much better that nobody else can touch him. Because what happens is when you've got someone with a learning disability and they do find out something that either they're good at, they enjoy, they put so much effort or so much focus into it that nobody can touch them. Um, as a young kid, I was always, my dad's actually a physicist. My mom was a school teacher. And it was always taught to me that I had to work three times as hard just to be on the same level ground as everyone else. So at 40, I still have that same mindset. You know, every day when I get up, when I'm working, I know because of my learning disability, I have to work three times as hard as everyone else just to have that level playing ground. And so that's kind of, you know, what brought it to me. But with everything we're doing now on a national stage, doing these speeches, something I really try to bring to the, to the table now is the awareness of learning disability and also the awareness of a high school teacher I had and kind of making her a celebrity because of how she changed my life. Man, that's the, the genuine approach that you have. I, I can tell that you don't have that toxicity in your attitude. You don't have any bitterness towards the, the people that were unkind to you at that point in your life. Uh, you have practiced the abundance mindset. You, you have grit more than most people that I've ever spoken to. Talk to me about the headspace side of things because as an agency principal, as a business owner, the battle between your ears is never ending. Having a positive mental attitude having the, the right approach to the never-ending challenges. The grind never stops. The game never slows down uh, for someone who's, who's you know, running an agency, who's leading a team, who's trying to grow a small business. That part can be absolutely exhausting if you don't have your headspace right. How do you stay so sharp? Uh, what, what is it that keeps you in a, a positive headspace? Uh, people laugh at me and they see me where I've got these headphones on all the time, like innovation. Someone's like, well, I saw you had your headphones in the morning. I didn't want to bother you. There was about an hour and a half. I mean, this is how I zone the world out. Um, it's the same way my wife kind of gets on me. Hey, are you listening to me? Because one of the ways I learned with my learning style was actually how to zone the world out and completely focus on whatever it is I'm doing. And so, you know, that's kind of my way to kind of get away, to refocus. You know, other people have golf and all these different things. Uh, for me, it's actually helping a lot of kids with learning styles. Uh, when I first got into insurance, I got into a mentoring program, and I still talk to the kids I mentor today who are now 25, 26 years old. For me, it was getting into that. It was focusing on finding a way that when I was gone one day to create change in the world. It didn't mean having a million-dollar or $2 million agency, but kind of getting away from the day-to-day -day business stuff. Uh, but when I was at Liberty, they also taught me from a mental health 
of, hey, we'll give you unlimited PTO. We know you're probably not going to take it, but you got to take it one quarter and one week every quarter. And I learned that, hey, you got to have that mental break. So I take that mental break now. And I really try to, you know, one thing I try to do now is really try to put my phone down. I don't do a very good job with it a lot of times, but actually putting it on do not serve, you know, over the weekend after a certain time at night and really just getting away and trying to focus as much on my six-year-old daughter and my wife as I possibly can. Love it. We should all be so fortunate to have that kind of clarity. Uh, I, I really admire you, man. I, I like the way you you handle yourself. Uh, I, I like your attitude. I, I don't mind saying it. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, Chris. Uh, I, I, I really respect uh, the way that you carry yourself and, and the way that you play this game in our industry. Um, it, it would be very easy uh, to and just look at you from afar and say, "Oh, this guy's this guy's different. He's he's a little bit weird." Uh, on, you know, the activity on social media, he posts differently. He has a different spin on things. That would be a real mistake to overlook Chris Green. Uh, you man, I don't know how to say it other than just ramble and sing your praises. But you've got it going on, my man. Uh, I, I want to pivot real quick and and ans, uh, ask a couple of specific questions on on flood insurance because you are by far the the most knowledgeable person I know uh, when it comes to flood. Uh, there's been some very very big changes in flood insurance uh, in 2021. Uh, for those that may not be familiar, uh, will you catch us up with the two or three really big things that happened this year in the flood insurance world? Well, there's really one big thing that just happened about a month ago. It was NFIP risk rating 2.0. Um, and that was basically FEMA coming into the 21st century. What we did is we, we traveled the whole country. I addressed all these changes for every state. Now I'm addressing all these changes for every major city in the U.S. You know, we break it down by zip code. Good, bad, ugly. You know, average changes we're seeing. All these different things. Um, I think right now I just shot for like Cleveland and Cincinnati, Ohio. So I'm working back through all the major cities and every single state, hopefully to address every concern. But what happens, everyone's like, you know, especially in Texas and Louisiana, hey, my rate's going from 600 to 6,000. It doesn't make sense. And I just shot a video called, is mitigation gone? Because a lot of things where people could do to lower the risk, premiums would significantly go down. They're not anymore. Um, so I came up with something to help agents understand it. I did a presentation a couple weeks ago dressed up as Super Mario. And I said the easiest way to compare this is NFIP to NFIP 2.0. It was like going from Nintendo to the Nintendo Switch overnight with nothing in between. Of course it's going to break. But I call it the fingerprint of flood insurance. I've had a flyer out there. What it does is it looks at distance to water. It looks at replacement cost. Uh, elevation, the type of flooding, flooding frequency, and how these things are very similar to our fingerprint or our social security number and how it's looking at each structure uniquely now. I mean, it's a good thing going forward, but there are a lot of broken pieces still right now that are trying to figure out that are having a big impact. And right, I'm actually meeting with some members of Congress next week to discuss those things in Arizona. And as we also discussed, trying to make flood loss, flood loss history available to the public. Flood loss history being publicly available. So that would be part of a real estate transaction, for instance. Yeah, think about this. If you go to buy a house and that house has had four claims with the National Flood Insurance Program, but you're in a state that doesn't have to disclose it. Now, Texas, thankfully, passed a law about two years ago that really does a good job of protecting people. But the only person who has access to those claims is the actual property owner. 
And the only way to get a copy of it is a property owner actually has to call FEMA and get them to send it to them. Hmm. Well, that's not ideal. No. Not a, because so the, I'm uh, guessing FEMA that was a fallout from, from all the flooding related to Hurricane Harvey in 2017, right? Yeah, Texas came out with a good disclosure law where you had to disclose what flood zone you were in. You had to disclose if you were between two reservoirs and, of course, if the property ever flooded. Because a lot of people mm. were not disclosing it. People were buying it. House flooded again. Now come to find out it actually flooded four times. Now they're on FEMA severe repetitive loss list. Now their premiums are 10000 instead of 1000 Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Mm. Now, that uh, that would definitely be factoring into my decision to buy a property. I promise you that. So, what what do you want people to be aware of when it comes to writing flood insurance because the vast majority of our colleagues, retail agency owners across the country, whether captive or independent, they're seeing flood as just another line of business. They're treating it as any other, whether it's home or auto or uh, business owner policy or you know commercial auto of some kind, uh, cyber, you know, DNO. They're treating it exactly the same as any other line of business. I don't happen to think that's a good idea because flood changes more rapidly than any other line of business I'm aware of. Maybe cyber is close to it from a regulatory environment, uh, but flood is a great way to get yourself in trouble. How do you want retail agents to stay in front of this thing? Are there suggestions that you would make for someone that maybe isn't working with the flood insurance guru, that isn't sending you uh, the flood business to be written by your retail office, which writes flood in all 50 states, right? Yeah. What I was telling people was, hey, use flood like we do to help agents capture all the other business, but also use this as a resource to protect your agency from E&O claims. You know, flood is one of the number one E&O claims. You know, especially in Baton Rouge. Now in New York, you have all these people whose basements flooded. They had no coverage because agents didn't tell them they didn't have coverage because they didn't know coverage wasn't existing in the basements the way it was set up. And now you literally you got one E&O claim after another. And most agents in New York are like, I'm never writing another flood policy. So look, help us, let us be an extension in your team. Avoid the E&O exposure, but let us continue to educate your clients. I said, that's what's important. I said, especially as you know, as things change all this, like loss of use. When is it available? When is it not? You know, getting all these flood decline forms. Well, you didn't offer me flood coverage, but you offer me everything else. I mean, it, it's a moving target. I mean, it, it, it's so dangerous when you're offering everything else and flood. You're not getting decline forms. You're not telling people, you know, when you have coverage, when you don't. And it's just, to me, it's just a huge exposure. So with these declination forms, we've talked a couple of times in previous episodes from a CYA sort of perspective, cover your assets 
for short is, is what CYA stands for, of course. Uh, but when you look at, at the actions that retail agents are taking, what do you recommend from an E&O perspective? How can a retail agent limit their exposure uh, to a potential E&O claim? Uh, one simple thing is like on that home insurance, you know, including a separate form just lets them know flood is not generally covered by your home insurance. You know, you know, this is just to document we've had the conversation that flood's not covered and that you're accepting responsibility that you do not want flood insurance and just signing off on that. But you got to have that on every client if you're just offering home, if you're setting up a commercial uh, policy for them, you know, because what's going to happen as soon as something happens, they're going to come back and say, you didn't offer it to me. And if you didn't offer it and you don't have a declination form, you're very likely going to be facing an E&O claim. Would you agree with that? I absolutely would. Now, the thing, I guess the good thing for us is there's no way for us not to offer it or, you know, not to get a decline because that's all we do. Yeah. So working with the flood insurance guru for simple education for E&O mitigation purposes uh, would be a good idea. Just out of curiosity, are you charging retail agents for any of your advisory services, any of the, the resources, the white papers, et cetera, that you guys have created? No. Now, what we do do is there's a, we have a couple of situations where we actually keep investors on retainer. So an investor mm -hmm. will come to us and say, hey, I'm looking at buying 100 apartment complexes and we'll charge them per hour for about 10 hours. We put together what's called a flood risk proposal and we say, look, here's year two, here's year three, year four, year five. We're going to show you the impacts of the flood risk on your profitability, and then you can decide to buy the building on that. And I had one investor say, look, I paid you $2,500, but you saved me $40,000. So uh, that's Is that a good ROI? I, I think my simple math tells me that's a good ROI. So for the retail insurance agents out here uh, that recognize, as I do, uh, that this is a gap in their body of knowledge, other than just being a an unashamed nerd like you are, like I am in other areas outside of flood. Uh, what do you think the best way for these retail agents to get educated, to stay plugged in? Uh, does the NFIP, the National Flood Insurance Program, for those that haven't heard that acronym, uh, is the NFIP good about putting out useful information specifically for the uh, for the use of insurance agents? They actually are, but the problem is they don't really address private flood insurance at all because they still don't recognize it is continuing cut continuous coverage and so that's what we try to do in all of our education videos every day on our youtube channel i'm in the process of building the world's largest flood learning center on our website where all they gotta do is type in a question it's going to give them usually a blog and a video to that answer hmm. so for someone that may not be familiar but myself included at this point uh, what are some of the high level differences between a, a federally regulated program like nfip flood insurance versus a private flood provider. You want to give us a quick rundown of the major differences between those two? Yeah. So the big thing is this, of course, FEMA, residential, all they offer is $250,000 on the building, $100,000 on contents. Commercial, $500,000 on the building, $500,000 on contents. That's where a private can come into play, where you might be able to get up to $25 million. FEMA does not offer additional living expenses or loss of use. So what happens if that apartment complex floods and you can't get loss of rent? and now your client goes bankrupt, that's where private flood can kick in and really help with all of those things. Also, the difference is that private looks at a lot of these risks with what's called a flood risk score. So they look at them uniquely different. Like we can build a mitigation plan with a customer, present it to a carrier, and they give us a rating model they don't give anyone else because we showed them how we helped reduce the risk 
customers' premiums are lower, the chances of a claim occurring are lower, and now it's a win-win for both parties. So that's one of some of the advantages of private flood. Uh, private flood in some areas, rates are more consistent. Uh, some of the dangers for private, though, is you could be non-renewed even without a claim because that carrier decides to move out of that area. Um, so it's kind of back and forth. But what's important to know, though, is in most situations, neither one of them are admitted. Uh, FEMA is not an admitted product. Private flood is not in most situations, but there are some admitted private products starting to hit the market in areas like Florida, Texas, North Carolina. They just released one in Georgia, uh, which is great because I think protecting a client to appeal a claim or things like that, you know, admitted can go a very long way. Now, that what I'm hearing you say here is someone can buy an NFIP product and then supplement that with private flood that basically stacks on top of it like an umbrella policy would extend the limits of coverage from a general liability policy. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, and we do that a lot of times, but a lot of times we won't even go through the NFLP. We'll just go directly through private because of the way the product can be built better. And it's one claim. You're not having to you know wait for your NFIP policy to be exhausted before the private kicks in. And it's just one claims process. Sometimes it can just be a little bit cleaner. So with other lines of business, in order to go to a non-admitted product, you have to first make a, a diligent effort to place that client, to place that, that exposure with an admitted product, like for instance, general liability or, uh, or work comp or commercial property or et cetera, commercial auto. You have to place it with an admitted product or at least try to before you go to the ENS route. But if I hear you correctly, you're saying that even the NFIP program is non-admitted. So those same limitations of skipping NFIP and going straight to private flood, those don't really apply, do they? They don't, but agents can still face a big E&O exposure because there's certain things with the National Flood Insurance Program when it comes to special ratings for what's called pre-firm structures, which are usually structures like 1978 and before. And they'll just go place them in the private market. A claim occurs... Now there's exposure there because of non-renewal or rates like that, or they switched them from NFIP to a private policy because it saved them a dollar. And now they're exposed because there was no difference in coverages there. And so even though NFIP is not admitted, there could still be some major e exposures when shifting it from NFIP to private because what you didn't tell them is, hey, if this non-renews and you go back and it actually cost you $10,000 more next year, you just expose yourself because you didn't have the, the uh, conversation. Mm. Just like with a new program, uh, they do what's called uh, a 20-year look back. So let's say that somebody has a claim six months from now, and they had one five years ago. Now, uh, NFIP uses a rating factor of two, which could have a major impact on their flood insurance, thousands of dollars. But the agent mm. didn't tell them that about this 20-year look back, or maybe they wouldn't have filed that claim. Once again, another mm. E&O exposure. So. I don't mind sharing it. I know this is giving away a little bit of our, our secret weapons here. Um, we send everything to the flood insurance guru. If we get a call in our office, even from an existing client, and they say, hey, uh, can I get a quote for flood insurance? Uh, we are sending them your link that you were kind enough to set us up a landing page on your website, uh, floodinsuranceguru.com slash riskwell, and someone can get a flood quote through your office, uh, but it is facilitated by us. So we're basically are acting as, as a, uh, a collaborator here. Um, is that available to anyone who's listening who says, hey, you know what? 
I would really like to work with a legitimate expert. I don't want to have to keep track of the rapidly changing environment uh, of flood insurance. Are you? Do you have capacity to take on an, a lot of additional retail agency partners at this point? We absolutely do. The only thing we ask from an E&O standpoint is we always got to at least have that conversation with the insured when it comes to coverages and get the app signed. So look, if the agent wants to be involved, that's fine. We just don't necessarily want the agent having those conversations because then they could expose themselves on the E&O. And we're yeah. trying to take the E&O exposure off the table for the agent. Well, I got to say, man, we don't talk about it at all. When I hear the word flood, I go, great. Talk to my guy, Chris Green, and he and his team will take care of you from start to finish. And at that point, we're done. We're 100% hands off. And um, I would say this. I, had, I always said I would never work with insurance agents. It just kind of happened by accident. Now we're teaching CE to insurance agents across the country. Hmm. It really doesn't surprise me, man. You've got the teacher's gene for sure. It, it, it's in your blood. Uh, maybe that's because of your experience uh, of personally benefiting so much from the work of people in secondary education. Uh, but let's be honest, teaching insurance agents isn't that different from teaching high school students. It's not, but we also enjoy being kind of a part of the insurance agent's team and making them look like a hero to their customer, help them create a customer for a lifetime and, you know, building your reviews and all this stuff. Like I tell them, hey, it's our job to make you look like a rock star. Man, Chris, this has been already just a fantastically useful and beneficial conversation. Uh, I didn't really have an agenda here other than just to get you some more airtime, make sure that our listeners, especially those people coming out of the captive insurance world, are familiar with what is available to them as a resource, because I could speak from my own experience as a farmer's agent. Uh, this was really the only flood I ever knew was NFIP. And I know there's limitations of the NFIP program, but I never knew the right way to approach flood other than buy an NFIP product and and call it a day. Uh, Neptune didn't exist in 2017, uh, to my knowledge. It, maybe it did. I don't know, but I'd never Actually, heard of Actually, I think it launched like in 17. It may have been a couple hmm. years before that, but it kind of hit the scene in like 18, 19. So I know Neptune is one of the, the more popular private flood carriers. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of others. We don't need to get into those kind of weeds. Well, actually, uh, that's but, I think that's an important conversation to have, though. We hear from agents all the time. Well, I can't get insurance because I was denied by, let's just say, Lloyds of London. But what happened is they weren't denied by Lloyds of London. They were denied by an MGA or a broker because of a contract. So they mm -hmm. think that all contracts are the same. I'm like, no, it depends on how the contract's written. You're not necessarily being denied by the reinsurer, which is basically what Lloyds is. You were probably just denied maybe at the local level. So when we get hmm. to us, they're like, well, I, I can't go through them because I've been denied. And that's, you know, we have to educate them. That's not necessarily how it works. Hmm. Sounds like there's a lot of moving parts here, man. Um, I, I don't mind uh, being completely candid in that I think people are better off uh, punting the football on something as, as dynamic and complex as flood insurance, where every state uh, has their own. Uh, regulatory environment, in addition to the federal regulatory environment. Uh, I don't know about you listeners out there, but I don't think that it's a revenue generating activity uh, to be spending. Chris, you said what, two or three days out of every week, you are studying something to make sure that your knowledge base is up to date? Yeah, like I had a conversation with Captive Agent last night. He's like, look, I could spend two or three days figuring this out, or I could send you and you have it done in 20 minutes. But he's like, you know, I'm shifting from captive independent. I'm going to be so glad that I can write a policy for every single customer out there. And I said, well, yeah. I said, look, take your time in doing that. 
I said, because that's where a lot of people get in trouble when they make that transition, is they look up and they try to write everything and they don't generate any revenue because of that. I said, go yep. find three of the five good carriers, figure out you know how your customers maybe meet those carriers. I said, but that might be a better way to kind of move your way forward than saying, hey, I can write everybody underneath the sun. And before you realize it, you've maybe got a servicing nightmare because you didn't know your ideal client. Well, we've been very clear uh, on this podcast on my thoughts on building your ideal client uh, avatar and holding people to certain expectations. You know, the the market segmentation that is happening in the insurance industry between the direct channel, the captive channel, and of course, my personal favorite, I think yours too, obviously, uh, the independent channel that we all uh, get to operate in. There's a natural segmentation that happens in the marketplace where the prospect gets to self-select how they want to do business. Uh, and the agents that think they're going to go after everybody. Well, there's, there's a few companies out there, but I will tell you this. Um, this is kind of frustration of mine. I don't really see any of, any of them take a mitigation first approach. Instead, they're like, hey, let us get you a cheap flood insurance quote. You can do it online. You never talk, have to talk to us. But yet the questions they ask, you know, is have you, you don't, they don't even ask many times if a claim's ever occurred. So then when a claim does occur, uh, they go back to misrepresentation. The claim is filed and the E&O claim is filed. I'm like, you know, what if you could do all this through reducing it through mitigation first? The goal is not to get a cheap flood insurance quote. The goal is to reduce the chances of flooding at the end of the day. The goal is not to get a cheap insurance quote. The goal is to reduce the impact of flooding. So you're taking a mitigation approach, kind of like loss controls on a commercial property on the business side. Talk to me about that for a second. What? Because that one flew right over my head uh, when you said it. I had to think for a second, wait, what did this guy just say? So we're, you're not advocating the purchase of an insurance product as a standalone approach uh, to addressing flood concerns. So you're, you want people to be taking mitigation actions, uh, you know, personal, commercial, whatever. Uh, talk to me about that, because that's a bit of a foreign concept to me, um, how one would approach Mother Nature uh, doing whatever it wants to do if a hurricane comes ashore, other than putting sandbags up on the edge of your property. What else should people be doing? Well, there's a lot of things, maybe like flood vents, changing water tables, uh, something called encroachment review, bringing uh, us in and we look at it and say, hey, this is actually going to have a negative impact on people downstream, so we can't do it. But here's the way that we could actually change of how water flows. You know, flood vents coming through, the water going back through. We had a customer during a nor'easter that actually got hit eight times over the weekend with waves on his restaurant. He was going to file a flood claim with NFIP. It was going to increase his rates $15,000 a year. But we found him a $50,000 local grant that actually is going to cover the damages. But when he gets it, we're actually going to show him ways to reduce the chances of flooding on that restaurant in the future. So what are some of those ways? Give me a couple of examples. Well, you know, like you said, Sandback, but the redirection of water. Um, there are certain things called like floating flood walls. These things will actually inflate uh, when water starts to hit the building. Uh, they're almost like big cement barriers to actually protect the building from water intrusion. Uh, one big thing I work with people up north is snow impact. You know, helping them keep snow impact six inches to a foot away from their foundations so they don't have water seepage in their basements at the end of winter in areas like Minnesota. You know, these are all ways that we can reduce water intrusion. Hmm. 
I don't know anything about this stuff, man. You are speaking a different language. I, I love that my gray matter is getting exercised in, in this conversation. As we approach the finish line here, what did we miss? Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about on this call? No, I was to say, if you ever have questions, like I had someone the other day says, hey, can you just do this for me? I said, I'll do one better. I said, this is a quick and easy policy. I'll show you how to do it so that you can actually keep more money in your pocket and protect yourself. So just so I, I'm completely transparent here, uh, I'm not getting a kickback from Chris or anything like that, but you certainly can, listener out there, because uh, this is not a, a one-way street where uh, you send it to Chris and he writes it and you don't get any revenue from the arrangement. Uh, just so we're completely clear, uh, the Flood Insurance Guru is partnering with retail agents and giving them a kickback on the writing of that policy as a referral fee. You're not brokering business out to them, so you don't have to worry about uh, your carriers or anyone else being unhappy with you because Chris is the one who writes the policy. Uh, you are basically collecting a referral fee. So, Chris, we write it, we service it, we pay them a new business commission, and we pay them a renewal commission. They don't have to do anything. That is a pretty sweet deal as far as I'm concerned. For those of you that are in the captive world that have not yet made your freedom jump, you need to put this down on your list, in my opinion, and just plan because Lord knows you've got plenty of things on your plate uh, that you're going to have to take care of as you are launching your independent agency. Why don't you take flood insurance off of that list of things you have to keep track of and just plan on sending all of your flood submissions to the flood insurance guru? Uh, Chris, what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they want to consider partnering with you for their flood submissions? Actually, you can go to our website, floodinsuranceguru.com, and we have a tab at the top of our uh, website just for insurance agents. Awesome. So you just start the process uh, there. You get connected, yep. sign a couple of documents, and you're good to go, huh? If you're part of IOA, we're actually a vendor in IOA where you can fill the form out in IOA and reach out to us that way as well. Fantastic. Anything else before we go, my man? That's it. Uh, this It's really straightforward. I love it. Uh, listeners, I'm going to go ahead and put Chris's information in the show notes. If you uh, want to get that information, just uh, click the little drop down arrow at the top of uh, whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, and, and that's really all she wrote uh, for this episode. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say anywhere you want to be connecting with people on social or anywhere else? Uh, so you can check me out on LinkedIn, even Instagram, Facebook, our YouTube channel. I'm usually providing about five to seven pieces of content a day on flood education because at the end of the day, uh, to me, it's about creating change in the world through education. Man, that is wonderful. Uh, Chris Green of the Flood Insurance Guru, thanks so much for being a guest here on Agency Freedom Podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, folks, that is it. So until next time, make it a great day, boys and girls. We will talk to you soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite podcasting platform to get automatic updates on every new episode and help other people find us organically. If you like the content you hear, please drop us a quick review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share Agency Freedom with someone you know who is still on the captive side of the insurance world. They'll thank you later. You can connect with other Freedom Jumpers, ask questions, get advice, and share your best practices in our Facebook group. Just type Agency Freedom Podcast in the search bar. 
Visit our website at agencyfreedompodcast.com to sign up for our email list and get access to exclusive resources and sign up to be a potential future guest on the show. We welcome your comments, feedback, and ideas. Email podcast at riskwell.com and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie to market domination. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.